just briefly, I'm going to share my testimony how the Lord saved me out of Islam. Um, and then I'm going to present um, Iran. A lot of people in the West, they don't know um, many facts about Iran. They think that they are, you know, Arab Muslims there in the Middle East. We're not Arabs. You'll, you'll learn a little bit about Persia tonight. Uh, so I grew up as a Muslim in Iran, uh, and uh, just as a child, I started practicing Islam because I was told that there is hell, there is judgment coming after you die. You'll be judged according to your deeds. And if you don't have enough good deeds, um, you're going to go to hell. So you need to perform a lot of good deeds and, and uh, keep the Sharia law, and pray five times a day, fast in Ramadan and those rituals that we have in Islam. Uh, doing that, you'll, you'll be able to say you'll be saved from hell. So I started praying. I, I was so scared of going to hell. I wanted to be saved from hell. So I practiced and prayed five times a day. Uh, but I never had peace in my heart. No joy, no peace, no assurance of salvation, obviously, because you don't have Jesus, uh, you know, to give you assurance of salvation. Uh, so I, anytime I was committing sin, doing something wrong, I was just feeling guilty. I was like dying. I knew that Allah is going to send me to hell. So, um, so I try to um, pray more and be more religious so I can feel good and, and uh, feel that I'm going to go to heaven. But it didn't work that way. Praying more, practicing more didn't help me. I was feeling guilty all the time. Growing up with fear of going to hell all my life. So at the age of 26, the Lord um, led me to go to Australia with work and holiday visa. Uh, for three years. So I went there, lived there for three years, and enjoyed the freedom in Australia. It was a beautiful country, obviously. It's a free country, and uh, you, you can choose what religion to believe. You can choose what kind of dress code to have. Uh, you can choose what to eat. Uh, over there in Iran, they control everything. They control your, your food. You cannot eat pork. If you do, you'll be punished. You'll be put in jail. Uh, you cannot choose other religion rather than Islam. If you do, you'll be put to death. If you convert to Christianity, you'll be put to death in Iran. And uh, no freedom of speech. If you criticize Islamic leader there, they'll, they'll uh, punish you bad. Uh, they can kill you. So you have no freedom. They control everything about you. Back in those Islamic countries, in Iran especially, Afghanistan. So, but living in Australia, I'm like, wow, this is amazing. You can be free. You can choose what to eat. You can choose what to wear. And they control your dress code there. So, uh, so I, you know, when you are there living in Iran, you don't know uh, that there is light out there. You are in darkness. You, you think that that's all there is. You don't see it light. But coming to Australia, I'm, I'm like, wow, this is amazing. Beautiful country, free, lots of opportunities. And in Iran, a lot of people are educated, but unemployed. And um, there is no future, no hope for people. And a lot of people are just turning to drugs and becoming drug addicts, try to be relieved from stress in life. So it destroys the country that way. So anyway, I... I wanted to stay in Australia, and I could not get my visa extended or to get a new visa. I could not. So I had to go back, and I didn't want to go back. So I found a reason. There was a co-worker who was a Christian. He was inviting me to, to church. He said, if you come to church, you'll be able to apply for a protection visa and stay in Australia. Because as a Christian, if you go back to Iran, you'll be killed but Australian government will protect you. Uh, they'll give you permanent visa. I said, no, I'm a Muslim. I don't want to be a, an infidel like you. I, I ignored him. But after a while, I realized that my visa is about to expire and, and I don't have a lot of time left. And I remember back in Iran, uh, they, to they told me that if you miss a prayer, well, all the rituals that you have in Islam, you have to pray and fast. 60 times more to make it up. 
So it was three years in, in Australia that I didn't practice Islam because I was working two shifts a day, seven days a week. I was working hard for three years. And two last years in, in Iran, as I was applying for a visa, trying to work hard and save up some money to buy the air ticket to, to go to Australia. So I, I couldn't pr practice Islam for five years. And I'm like, man, five years times 60, that's 300 years that I have to pray and fast to catch up and make up all the missing prayers. I'm like, I am lost. I'm going to hell. There is no hope for me. Even if I could just practice uh, perfectly for 300 years, if I had time, um, I'm not going to be able to make it. I'm not going to live for that long. So I, I'm like, at least I can go to church and get, get this visa and see in Australia, enjoy, enjoy my life here, and then after death, I'm going to go to hell anyway. I don't want to lose both, this world and the one after. Uh, so that was my motivation. I wanted to go to church, to abuse it, to get visa. And so I went to the church first time. I was just blown away to see Christians rejoicing, singing with joy. And, uh, and I was just shocked because in Islam, you don't worship Allah that way. You cry, you shed tears. And for each drop of tear, Allah promises a land in heaven. So they encourage you to cry, um, not to sing. Singing is bad. Uh, music is bad in, in Islam. So, um, and I, they gave me a copy of the Bible, and I started reading the Bible, and, and it just spoke to me. Uh, immediately, I knew that there is something in this that I need. This is different than Quran. When you read the Quran, uh, you just chant it and try to get reward. Doing that, you don't understand what you read, usually. Most, most Muslims uh, don't understand when they read, because you have to read it in Arabic, and many Muslims do not speak in Arabic. So you don't understand it. You just read it in Arabic. Uh, doing that, you think that Allah is going to reward you in heaven. So, but reading the Bible in Farsi language, it was just uh, unbelievable. I, I couldn't put it down. I read hours and hours every day, first time at the age of 29. And uh, I finished the Bible in a month time. It was just so powerful reading the Bible first time, the Word of God, God was speaking to me. I could tell that somebody is talking to me through His Word. And uh, I believed in Jesus after uh, reading the Bible, and I didn't know what it meant by Jesus being the Son of God. But I believed in Him, uh, but not saved. No changes in my life. Still, I was the same evil sinner. Um, no changes. Till... Um, I asked the church to baptize me and give me baptism certificate and support letters. I applied for visa and uh, they didn't help me. Uh, so I realized that I wasted my time there. So another friend introduced me to Liberty Baptist Church. So I went there and Pastor Keith Piper, uh, pastor of Liberty Baptist Church, he sat with me for five hours and explained the gospel to me, how we are all sinners and Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He paid the penalty of our sins. And by trusting him alone, depending on him to get you to heaven, he will get you to heaven. But if you depend on your works or religion, whatever, you're not going to be able to make it. So I, uh, I realized that salvation is so simple, uh, that God made it so simple that even a child can understand. So um, by faith, I called on Jesus' name that day, August of 29th in 2009. And Jesus saved me. And I, I, I'm like, man, this is great. God himself died on the cross for our sins. That's amazing. It, it, it's unbelievable. Just first time learning about God coming down, dying on the cross for your sins, it meant a lot to me. I said, Lord, I, I want to serve you. I don't want to be an average Christian. Would you use me? I don't know the Bible. I never raised as a Christian in a Christian family. But whatever uh, you want, Lord, would you use me? I surrendered to serve him, and that's where the Lord started using me there in, in, uh, in Australia. And we planted a Farsi-speaking church, Iranian church in Sydney, beside uh, English-speaking church. And the Lord uh, blessed it. Uh, for six years, I preached there from 2012 and to, till 2018, when the Lord led me to come to America to preach the gospel through media, 
block satellite TV and radio into Iran, which is what I'm doing now after five years um, being here. The Lord has been opening new doors, um, traveling to Turkey. Uh, last year, we planted two churches. The Lord uh, led me to plant two churches. We, I went there to, to, to plant one church with, with a friend, a dis, my one of my disciples that I've been discipling online. And uh, the Lord ended up planting two churches, which was just a miracle, uh, amazing what the Lord did. Uh, and uh, we're going to go to Canada this summer for a couple of months to see uh, what the Lord is going to do there. We're going to be working with Pastor Ben Turner. And uh, so pray that the Lord would go before us and, and help us to plant a church there in Vancouver in Canada. So... Uh, this is my family, uh, my wife, Emily. I met my wife at Falls Baptist Church in Menominee Falls in Wisconsin. Um, so that became my home church uh, five years ago. And um, just about f less than four years ago, the Lord uh, led us to get married. And, and the Lord has blessed us with three kids. Gabriel, my son, he's going to be three next month. And then we have Esther and Grace, they are twins. And they are 20 months old. So, um, so that's my precious family that the Lord has given me. And I'm so thankful. Um, so, okay, what God is doing in Persia. Let's see what God is doing in, in Iran. Iran. Persia is the ancient name for Iran. That was changed in 1935 to Iran. It was always Persia. Uh, so it's been changed less, lately. So let's see what the Lord is doing there. A lot of people think that the Lord is doing nothing there. People are killing each other and they, they curse America all the time. And, and uh, the Bible is banned and gospel doesn't go there. Uh, so Iran, the Tehran is the capital and 80 million people uh, live there in that country. 80 million is the population of the country. Uh, so we're going to look at the history of our country, see when our country came into existence. Uh, after the flood, you had Noah and his three sons, Ham, Shem, and Japheth. Uh, so if you look at, at Genesis chapter 10, the table of nations is found in Genesis chapter 10. All the countries, all the nations came out of three sons of Noah, Ham, Shem, and Japheth. So let's turn to Genesis chapter 10. We're going to look at uh, verse 22, chapter 10, verse 22. The children of Shem, the first one is called Elam, and Asher, and Arphaxad, and Lut, and Aram. So Shem had five sons. The first one is called Elam, who is the founder of Iran. How do you know that? Well, I, I know that because I grew up in Iran, and in in the west of Iran, there is a city called Elam, about half a million population. And uh, let's see, yeah, this clicker is not going to work. So this is the uh, map of Iran. Elam is right there in the west. And not far from Elam, there is, uh, this is Shush, 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 Shush we call it, but Shushan, Shushan the palace where Nehemiah was and Esther. Uh, so that's, that's, that's there, and also there is another city where Daniel's tomb is there. Daniel's tomb is not far from Elam. So Elam uh, is the city. Uh, uh, let's let's go back, please. Okay, okay. So Elam was the founder of Iran. After the flood, God said to Noah and his sons, "Be fruitful and multiply, and scatter around the world." They had to scatter on the earth. So obviously, Elam son of Shem, went to that area, and he, he got married, he had family, and uh, then later on, it grew and became a tribe, Elamites. You had war between uh, Abraham with those kings of Elam and other countries, so it was tribe. And then later on, became a big country. Uh, king Cyrus was the first king over Persia. So this is Elam, but look at verse... 24, same chapter, Genesis chapter 10, verse 24. And Arphaxad begat Selah, and Selah begat Eber. So you have Eber, Arphaxad, Eber 
is the father of Hebrews. They are Jews. So you see they are, they are Semites, Shemites, or uh, Jews and Persians are brothers. They are descendants of Shem. They are Shemites. Uh, Arabs are descendants of Ham. So Arabs, uh, these are Persians. So Persians are not Arabs. Don't call us Arabs. Persians get offended if you call them Arab. They don't like Arabs. <laughs> um, well, you shouldn't hate anybody, uh, but there's a long animosity, animosity between Persia and Arabs. Uh, still, there's animosity. So, uh, and then you have the Westerners, Europeans and, and Americans came through Japheth. He's the father of Americans. So anyway, that's, uh, it goes back all the way to the flood. After the, after the flood, our country, the Persia kind of was founded uh, as a small tribe and later on became um, an empire and King Cyrus was the first, um, first king over, uh, this is King Cyrus and his name means like the sun, which goes back to his uh, religion. The first religion of Persia was Zoroastrianism, uh, founded by Zoroastra, or Zartosht we call him. He uh, founded this religion in King Cyrus' time. And uh, would you help me with this? This is not going to work. Okay. What was their beliefs? Dualism. Ahura Mazda was good God. Uh, rising from the east where the sun will rise. So when they saw this sunrise and light, they thought that there is a good God. They called him Ahura Mazda, causing this light and blessing. And then you have Aurumeyu, or Ahriman, who was evil God from the west where the sun set. So you have evening and sun setting and darkness. They thought that this evil God, Ahura Aurumeyu or Ahriman is causing this darkness and bad evil things in the world. And these two gods, good God and evil God, uh, they are always struggling, fighting with each other, try to balance each other out. That's what they believed. And, and uh, King Cyrus believed in uh, uh, Zoroastrianism, this religion. It was based on good works. If you go to the next page, um, yeah, good deed, good thought, and good word was the fundamentals of Zoroastrianism. So through good deed, you're going to go to heaven. If you're, you have bad deeds, you're going to go to hell. That was uh, work-based salvation. So we have prophecy about King Cyrus by Isaiah chapter 45, verse 1 to 7. This is uh, about 176 years before even King Cyrus was born. Thus says the Lord to his anointed the Cyrus, whose right hand I have holden to sub subdue nations before him, and I will lose the loins of kings, and so on. So God is speaking to Cyrus. This is the Lord, that's Jehovah. He's speaking to Cyrus. He, he chose Cyrus. Why? Because he knew that the nation of Israel, they're going to turn their back on God. They're going to worship idols and gods of Babylon and God knew that he's going to send Babylonians and they're going to take cap them captives for 70 years. And uh, Jeremiah prophesied that you're going to be in captivity for 70 years. And after 70 years, God is going to raise a king that would be Cyrus. He's going to deliver you from captivity. Uh, so God chose Cyrus to deliver his people. God is seeing uh, the future. Um, so Verse 4, for Jacob my servant's sake, and Israel mine elect, I have called thee by thy name. I have surnamed thee, though thou hast not known me. God is saying, you didn't know me, Cyrus, but I was the one who chose you. Why? Because of my servant's sake, Israel. I want to use you to deliver my people from captivity. Verse 5, I am the Lord, and there is none else. There is no God beside me. I girded thee, though thou hast not known me. Uh, now verse 6, not only God mentions his name in the Bible 176 years earlier, but in verse 6 he tells us his religion. It says that they may know from the rising of the sun, that's a good God, Ahura Mazda, and from the west, that's evil God, Aurumeyu, that there is none beside me. I am the Lord, and there is none else. I form the light, 
and create darkness. Remember, they said Ahura Mazda is creating the light. Ahura Mayu is creating darkness. He said, I, not Ahura Mazda or Ahura Mayu, I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, I, Jehovah, do all these things, not Ahura Mazda or Ahura Mayu. So God is giving us um, uh, prophecy about Cyrus and his religion. He said, you didn't know me, but I was the one who chose you. It's amazing what God does. He gives us the future. What's going to happen uh, in the future? Even Revelation tells us where we're going to spend um, our eternity. You can look where you are. If you read the Revelation, you'll find out where you're going to be for all, forever. Uh, so go to the next one. So King Cyrus didn't know the Lord. He believed in different gods. Uh, but something happened to him. He got to know the Lord. He believed in Jehovah. How do we know that? Through Ezra, we know that. Now, this is his proclamation. It says, Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it also in writing saying, let's see what he said. He said, thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord, he said, the Lord Jehovah, God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and he has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem. So he is saying that, number one, he believes that Jehovah is the God of heaven. He is the true God. He has given me all the kingdoms of the earth. He's not bragging like King Nebuchadnezzar. He was looking at his palace. He said, isn't this great Babylon that I have built it with the might of my power for the honor of my majesty? He's just, he was just bragging. I have done this. I have built this kingdom. And a voice fell from heaven saying, oh, King Nebuchadnezzar, your kingdom is departed from thee. They shall drive you from man and seven times shall pass over you until you acknowledge uh, and they shall drive you from uh, from man and, and your dwelling place with the shall be with the beast in the field and so on. And after seven years, you're going to acknowledge that the Lord is the one who gives kingdom to anybody he wants. Uh, so he didn't brag like King Nebuchadnezzar. He said the Lord God of heaven. Number one, he believed in Jehovah. And number two, he said to build him a house at Jerusalem. He believed that Jerusalem is the city where God put his name there a holy city, which is in Judah. Number three, who is there among you all, of all, all his people? Now he believes in God's people, the Jews, chosen people. His God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord. Number four, he believed in temple, in place of worship. God of Israel, he said, the Lord, God of Israel. He is the God which is in Jerusalem, he said. He's sending this proclamation throughout all his kingdom. He wants to tell all the world that he believes in Jehovah. He believes in Jews, God's people, chosen people. And he supported them. He gave them silver and gold to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the house of the Lord. And so you, when you read this, it sounds like he's a saved. He, he believes in Jehovah. He believes in God's people and place of worship. Uh, and the city of Jerusalem sounds like uh, um, saved person. So go to next. Um, when Jesus was born, uh, wise men came from the east and a lot of scholars believe that they were Persians. So they came and they worshipped Jesus Christ. They believe that he is God incarnate and they worshipped him. And um, go to the next one please. On the day of Pentecost, uh, a lot of people, 16 different nationalities were participating this feast of Pentecost and uh, go to the next one in chapter 2 of Acts verse 1 and 9 and when the day of Pentecost was fully come they were all with one accord in one place who were they well Parthians and Medes and Elamites and dwellers in Mesopotamia and so on so you see those places Parthians and Medes and Elamites go to the next one please so this is me this is country of Iran today, but it used to, uh, King Cyrus used to rule over India and so on, all the way to Egypt and, and uh, Africa and Europe, but this is Ira Iran today. So Media, Parthia, 
and Elam. So, and then later on became just one country. But they were Persians. They went to Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost and they, they heard the gospel uh, in their own language and uh, they got saved and they went back to Iran preaching the gospel. As a result of preaching the gospel in Iran, people got saved in Iran. And a lot of people came out of Zoroastrianism and they got saved and they were persecuted by Zoroastrianists badly. And later on in 8th century when Arabs invaded our country, then they took over the country and they invaded our country, they changed our religion and everything. And um, now, a lot of Zoroastrians, they compromised, they became Muslims, but Christians, they, they were persecuted by Muslims this time. First by Zoroastrians, now through Muslims. You, you see, Christians in Iran have been persecuted for a long time. Pray for them. Uh, pray for Iran. So, uh, when I, according to Hippolytus, six disciples of Jesus Christ out of 12, they went to Persia, uh, they went to India and Babylon and so many other places, but they also went to Persia preaching the gospel, and three of them were martyred in Persia for preaching of the gospel. Because of the preaching of the gospel, a lot of uh, churches were planted in Iran. So people worshipped Jesus in Iran, early uh, Christianity. Go to next. So this is the proof. You have a church of Julfa still standing in Iran from 2nd century. Go to the next one. This is another church, a very old church, still there. And this is from 3rd century because of the preaching of the gospel. A lot of Iranians got saved and they had churches planted everywhere. They were worshipping Jesus Christ. It's a beautiful building, big building, still there. This is another uh, church kind of uh, not far from our hometown, actually. So go to the next one. So that was King Cyrus, first king of Persia, and then this is last king of Persia, Shah. Shah means king, so he was the last king of Persia. Uh, go to the next one. So this is his family. Uh, he died about 30 years ago, but he fled. Ayatollah took over the country, and he fled with his family, came to America, and his family, uh, his son, he's grown up at his 50s. He wants to uh, go back to Iran and overthrow the Ayatollah, the Islamic regime, and, and to establish his father's kingdom, like democracy, bring, to bring secular uh, uh, regime and dem democracy and everything. Uh, so in, when Shah left, and when Ayatollah took over, in Shah's time, in 1979, one U.S. dollar was 70 real. So uh, our economy was great. We had good relationship with, um, with America, with the West. Uh, and we had freedom. We had democracy already. So go to the next one. So this is some pictures from 1970s. So Iran looked like the West back then in 1970s. If you check some videos from Iran in 1970s, it doesn't look like at an Islamic country at all. So go to the next one. And we have four prophecies about the future of Iran. What's going to happen to Iran in the future? In Jeremiah 49, verse 34 to 39, we have four prophecies about the future of Iran. The word of the Lord that came to Jeremiah the prophet against Elam. So this is a prophecy against Persia. Right? How many of you didn't know where Elam was? You read this passage and didn't know what, what, where Elam was. Sure. Yes, yes. So, yeah, Ezekiel 38 is uh, gonna be fulfilled soon. Uh, well, at seven years of tribulation, that means rapture has to take place before that. We are not far away from the rapture, I'm telling you. We're not far away. So anyway, uh, this is a prophecy against Elam, which is Iran. In the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will break the bow of Elam, the chief of their might, and upon Elam will I bring the four winds from the four quarters of heaven, and 
number one prophecy, what's going to happen? And will scatter them, this is Iranian people, toward all those winds, and there shall be no nation whether the outcast of Elam shall not come. So number one prophecy, God is saying that I'm going to do something that a lot of people will flee Iran, to go around the world, to be scattered everywhere. Outcast. He uses outcast of Elam. Look, I'm outcast. They, they cast me out because I'm a Christian. A lot of uh, Iranians, uh, a lot of officials, a lot of singers, they couldn't sing anymore when Ayatollah took over. So go to the next one. Uh, through Ayatollah, that prophecy was fulfilled. He came and he, um, he brought radicalism, well, true Islam, not radical, true Islam, that pe keep people in bondage. Uh, so he, he gave speech. Go to the next one. Uh, he gave promises. I'm going to give you free education, free medication, free food on your table, everything free. And people said, this is great. Please take over and be our leader. And uh, he took over and very easy. And he became um, a supreme leader of Iran. And after a few months, nothing happened. No, nothing was free. A few years passed by, nothing free. The country was going down. He started war with Iraq for eight years. The country was going down and down. And people, some people, they wanted to protest and to say, where is your promises? You know, you told us to give us free education, free medication. So according to Islam, if you protest against an Islamic leader, you'll be put to death. You're not allowed to uh, protest against Islamic leader because they are representing Allah on earth. So go to the next one. So he killed 4,000 people in one day because they just, they wanted their freedom. And uh, so go to the next one. And he forced people to have hijab to cover their bodies, women. Ne next one. He... Um, these two, well, so many preachers, they were preaching the gospel and they were martyred, so many of them. Uh, go to the next one. And he hung Christians in public to be a lesson to people not to convert to Christianity. And he wanted to destroy Christianity to change the country to a 100% Islamic country. No other religion. So go to the next one. And, and uh, at his time, apparently there were 500 born-again Christians in Iran. A lot of Catholics, but only 500 born-again Christians. Maybe because, because people were well-off in Shah's time, and we had everything, democracy, and it was free country, and Christians were sleeping. I don't know what they were doing, but only 500 born-again Christians, not many. And he burned the churches, he, he shut them down, and burned them, destroyed them. He wanted to stop Christianity in Iran. So go to next. And we had eight years of war with Iraq that brought devastation and destruction in Iran. Go to next. So a lot of people fled because the country was going down and a lot of people lost freedom and, and singers couldn't sing anymore. They fled to America and other places. And uh, so many different people, they fled. And go to next one. And anywhere they went, these people, the scattered Iranians, they had the opportunity to hear the gospel. And in London, in England, a lot of Iranians got saved. They, they were baptized there. Go to the next one. I went to Australia in 2006, and after three years, Pastor Keith Piper, he led me to the Lord. And I'm so thankful for him. And go to the next one. So we started witnessing to Muslims, to Iranians there in, in Sydney, and we saw so many hundreds of Iranians come to Christ, and, and we had, uh, go to the next one, we had church planted in 2012. Uh, a lot of Iranians didn't speak in English, so the Lord led me to have a Farsi church for Iranians to, to hear the gospel, and the Lord used it, and so many hundreds of Iranians and Afghanis came to Christ. They speak in Farsi. And so go to next. And we had baptism. So many people were getting baptized all the time for years since 2009. Every three, four months, we had 50, 60, 70 people getting baptized. The Lord was working uh, amazingly in Sydney. Go to next. And this is people lining up to get baptized. 
so, so these people who have converted to Christianity in the West, they realize that they're not going to be able to go back to Iran. They are, you know, you can't go back. It's been 17 years for me. I haven't been able to go back to Iran. If I go back, they'll kill me for sure. They know what I'm doing. And they have, they have gone after my family members so many times. They call them for interrogation. And they try to give them hard time because they can't persecute me. They, they try to go after my family members. So uh, those com converts, they, they wanted to reach Iran, but they couldn't go back. So what is the way to reach Iran? Through media. Media is the only way to reach the country of Iran and Afghanistan as well. So go to next. Pastor Hormuz Shariat, he started this satellite uh, TV, Christian TV channel through satellite. He's getting the gospel through satellite to Iran. So, so go to the next. Uh, so the Lord led me to come to America and, and I go to Dawsonville in Georgia in a studio at CMI studio to, to record messages there uh, to be able to air these programs through that satellite station which is in Texas. From Texas we air the programs to three countries. Go to next. Iran, Afghanistan, and Tajikistan. 110 million people speaking Farsi in the world. And the door is closed to those countries. If you want to become a missionary to Iran, I'm sorry, you're not going to be able to go to Iran as a missionary um, because it's not easy. Uh, the door is closed. But the only way to reach Iran is through media, TV and radio, social media. So that's what the Lord is doing right now. And, and I'm getting the gospel to, to those countries through media. And in Iran, it's against the law to have it satellite dish. It's illegal. Go to the next one. You see it's very illegal in Iran, but it's everywhere. <laughs> People get these satellite dishes everywhere. In black market, 60 out of 80 million have access to satellite dish, and it's out of control now. Even the officials, they, they all have satellite dishes because Iran has only six public channels. Most of them are boring. They teach Quran and Islam, and a lot of young people, they're not interested in religion of Islam. Uh, they, they have seen what Islam has done to our country. So, so what they do, they, wa they want to watch movies and sport. And so they get satellite dish, and they, they get 500 channels. They go up and down. They want to watch movie and uh, enjoy it. And so the Lord uses that. So we have satellite uh, t Christian TV channel that we, we get the gospel there. So sometimes authorities take the dishes down, but look at the next one. This man picked it up. <laughs> so they get them in black market. Uh, go to the next. So people, uh, they don't have churches to go to, no pastors, no missionaries there. Uh, so what do they do is they watch this Christian channel, and, and they hear the gospel, and they get saved, and they tell others, their siblings, and sometimes they get persecuted, telling others, but then sometimes others are interested in Christianity. They come, and they, they watch, and they get, they get saved, and house churches getting established that way, with no pastors, just through watching TV and listening to radio there in, in Iran. And so go to next. And they get, they, as they gather as a house church, it lasts for a while, one, two years, a few months. But then the authorities, they found out that these people are gathering there for worship. And they breaking and they, they persecute and they kill them. And Majid was uh, one of the men who was converted to Christianity and he was worshiping the Lord in a house and and he was arrested, and they said, renounce your faith in Jesus Christ. And he said, I'm proud to be a Christian. And look at this, this smile in his face. On his face, he's smiling. He knows that he's going to be in heaven soon with his Lord. And no fear of death. Because a lot of these young people are drug addicts there. Because no future, no hope for people, for young people. So they get depressed and hopeless and they, they want to be relieved from this stress in life and uh, they can't deliver themselves. Islam doesn't do to deliver them, to free them from this addiction. 
But when they get saved, Jesus delivers them from addiction, from everything. Jesus brings hope and joy, and they realize that, man, Jesus is alive. He is not like dead Muhammad to be in the grave. He is alive, and he's working. He, he, look at me. I couldn't deliver myself, myself from addiction, but look what Jesus did. He is real, and uh, they are happy to stand for him. They don't, they're not fear of death. They, they know that if Jesus delivered me from addiction, well, I'm going to be with him soon because he approved me. He delivered me. He saved me. So they don't want to renounce their faith in Jesus. Uh, go to next. Uh, Muhammad and Behnaz was, uh, they were a couple living in Iran and uh, I've been discipling them and the Lord um, led me to lead them to the Lord and they, they fled the country about four or five years ago. They, they living in in Turkey right now, and the Lord um, led me to go to Turkey last year, and, and we planted two churches. One of them was Colossi Baptist Church we planted, and Muhammad is leading the church there in Turkey right now with his wife, and the Lord is using him mightily. He's such a godly man. He's been saved only for 40 years, but he's, he's grown so much in his faith. He loves the Lord. So go to the next. So in 2023... Remember in 1979, one U.S. dollar was 70 real, 7-0. Now it's 420,000 real. It's worth nothing. So Islam was supposed to bring prosperity and freedom and, and all the, everything free. Uh, look what happened. He, he destroyed the country. Islam destroyed Iran. Iran was such a powerful country in 1979 in, under Shah. In the Middle East, there was peace. You could travel to any country in the Middle East and and uh, have vacation there, and there was peace. Shah was controlling those countries there. And, uh, but now, look what happened. You cannot go to any country in the Middle East. It's, it's very unsafe. It destroyed the country. And people have, uh, you know, they're waking up. They realize that Islam destroyed our country. So they try to protest and overthrow the regime. Um, so many times, last six, seven months, they've been uprising lately and trying to overthrow it. They've been doing it a lot last five, six years, but six, seven months ago, they, uh, they started to do more, and it seemed like they're going to overthrow the regime, but they were killed by the government. They shoot up people. They, kill, they don't care about people. They care about their power. So they kill people, innocent people all the time. So go to the next one. Yeah, next. So that was first prophecy. God said that I'm going to scatter Iranians around the world. And that's happening last 40-something years. And number two prophecy, Jeremiah 49, verse 37. For I will cause Elam to be dismayed before their enemies. Now, Ayatollah is very dismayed. Uh, Israel is threatening Iran to to attack Iran, and, and a lot of countries are against Iran. So that's a second prophecy. But the third prophecy is in verse um, 38. And I will set my throne in Elam, and will destroy from thence the king and the princess, says the Lord. So this is the Lord Jehovah speaking. He said, I will set my throne in Elam. This is throne of judgment. He's going to go to Iran personally. He's going to sit on it. To do what? To judge. He's, he said, I'm going to destroy from this the king, that's Ayatollah, and the princess, the official, says the Lord. So we know that this is uh, judgment of nations. When Jesus comes back, he's going to travel personally to many countries, but also Iran. He's going to deal with every country, with every king. And he's going to destroy uh, Ayatollah and the officials for destroying Christianity and killing their own people. That's number three prophecy. But number four prophecy, in verse 39, but it shall come to pass in the latter days that I will bring again the captivity of Elam, says the Lord. That means he's going to bring freedom. We'll be able to go back to Iran again to worship the Lord, to have church, to worship Jesus there in the millennial reign of Christ. Looking forward to that day. Under Jesus Christ, we will have freedom. Under Ayatollah, Islamic leader, no freedom. They hate freedom. They say, go to hell. Freedom, go to hell. Freedom, go to hell. They, in London, they, 
Muslims, uh, we have, I've seen some videos that they, they shot on the street in London. Freedom, go to hell. They hate freedom. <laughs> they love bondage. That's what Satan does to, to you. They wanna, he wants to keep you under the bondage. So go to next. So after 44 years of persecution, Ayatollah wanted to destroy Christianity, to change the country to 100% Islamic country. Was he successful to stop the work of God? Go to next. After 44 years of persecution, it's likely that more Muslims are coming to Christ in Iran than any other place in the world. If you search online, Iran is number one country growing fast in Christianity. A lot of people are coming to Christ in Iran than in America or in Europe or other countries. God is working there and a lot of souls come to Christ. Just a um, few weeks ago, uh, one man, um, he connected to our online class and uh, he said that after like five, six years, he was able to find me, find the Christian group to join and worship with us online. He said he was going to house church and for a while, and it was really good. He was saying that it was just a blessing. The Lord was uh, growing us. Uh, but then the government, they found out about their place and location that they worship. And so they broke in and they arrested so many people. And, uh, but some people fled. They were able to escape. And, uh, and he was one of those people who was able to flee. So many of them were arrested and they, they, he didn't know what happened to them. And a lot of these people who were scattered, uh, fled, they had been without church, no church, no place to connect to. He was so excited to be able to connect to our class, so I, I've been able to teach him. But he brought uh, his uh, Muslim friend uh, just lately, and I was able to disciple him, and um, he got saved just uh, last week. He got saved. So the Lord is just using uh, these Christians there, they... they through online usually, through media they get saved and they tell others, they bring their friends, co-workers and, and the Lord works there and so many people are coming to Christ. It's amazing. This is what the Lord does. Uh, more people are getting saved there with no pastors, no missionaries, no church planters, only through media. God is using media and Satan thinks that he's very smart. Now he banned the Bibles. Nobody can purchase Bible there and no churches and no plan church planters but God has opened the door that no man can shut. This satellite TV, the signal comes through the air. How do you want to stop that signal that comes through the air? It's impossible. So the Lord has opened the door that no man can shut. Go to the next one. So today in Iran they say that uh, probably 7 million uh, born again Christians we have in Iran. That means one out of 11. Remember in Shah's time, only 500. But now, uh, Ayatollah wanted to stop the Christianity. <laughs> he did something that even more Mus uh, Muslims have converted to Christianity. So uh, he is a great evangelist in Iran. Ayatollah is. Praise God. <laughs> so go to the next. A Christianity growth rate is 20% per year. That's doubling every four years. It's amazing what the Lord is doing. Go to next. Um, so at the end, um, the Lord provided us a house in Germantown last year, and, and uh, I asked the Lord uh, that if He provide us a house, that we would turn the basement into studio so we can record more messages there, and I don't have to travel to Georgia uh, to record, and it's been very hard with three kids. And the Lord provided us a house, and this is the basement, and uh, I spoke to my mission board, Baptist World Mission, and they approved the project. So we're raising funds for this. Uh, so we're going to finish the project, first phase, and the second phase will we'll have studio sets, like TV studio set, like background, different designs and everything. Uh, and then third phase will be to e purchase equipments, like cameras and com computer and microphone, stuff like that. So we're raising uh, funds for this. I uh, pray that the Lord would provide us all the funds. The Lord has already provided us like 50% of the funds that we need. So pray that the Lord would help us to finish it, that we would do more and train more laborers. We don't have a lot of Persian Baptist preachers 
around the world. We don't have many, sadly. A lot of uh, Iranians convert to Christianity through charismatic movements, sadly. They come out of Islam, they go to charismatic churches. So we have many charismatic preachers, but not many Baptist preachers. So pray that the Lord would help us to train more laborers for, for, for the glory of God. And, and many people would turn to Christ in Iran and also around the world. The Lord is opening doors. Uh, two years ago, the Lord led me to go to Armenia. We saw 20 souls getting saved. Last year, the Lord led me to go to Turkey, and we saw 55 Muslims got saved, and, and two churches were planted. Now the Lord is leading us to go to Canada this summer. So pray that the Lord would uh, use us mightily uh, to see. I'm praying for 100 souls in Canada. Pray with me that we would see 100 souls come to Christ. It's so important to fulfill the Great Commission because that's the only call we have from Christ. All of us have. He said, go ye pruler, uh, therefore, and teach all nations. And we're supposed to occupy till he comes. And I believe that he's coming back so soon. Ezekiel 38, I said, there's so many things just happening. All the prophecies are just, just about to be fulfilled. Just about. Uh, Iran is going to come against uh, Israel with Russia and, and, and Turkey and those prophecies in Ezekiel 38, it's already almost there, almost. Iran is, all, they said in two months, Iran is going to have nuclear bomb. And if they do, they're going to go against Israel because they have this belief, they believe in 12 Mahdi. He's going to come. 12 Mahdi is the one who's false Christ, obviously. He's going to, come back to bring peace and justice and freedom to this world. And he's going to destroy the cross. And he's going to say that uh, Jesus was a Muslim and he's, he's going to reign on earth. Uh, so they say that unless you Muslims destroy Israel, Mahdi is not going to come. So Muslims should destroy Israel, wipe, off, wipe them off from the face of the earth, then Mahdi will return. So they are very genuine. They want to destroy Israel. That's what they've been investing uh, thousands, I don't know, so many millions of dollars paying Russia to give them nuclear bomb and, and they're going to come against Israel with Russia. And it's, it's been happening last 30 years. Russia has been uh, uh, supporting Iran and they, they are almost there. So they're going to come against Israel soon. So that means rapture is at hand. So we need to occupy till he comes, no matter what.